Praise the Lord, everybody. It's Pastor Fields here again, and yep, it's Wednesday evening, and we're about to begin our weekly Bible study. It's always a joy to come into your homes, automobiles, wherever you are on a Wednesday evening, and you have sectioned off this particular time, earmarked it. This is the time that we come together as the people of God here in Greater Refuge Temple of Washington, D.C., and the saints of God there in the Bronx, Refuge Temple Lennox. I have the, the honor and the privilege of being your pastor. And to those of you who connect with us every week, I say praise the Lord to you, giving the saints time to come in and connect with us on tonight. Father, we love you so much and we're so grateful for how you have kept us, how you have watched over us. We thank you even for your patience with us. Thank you for being a loving, forgiving God. We even thank you for your righteous judgment. We honor you, Lord, always. And we ask, Father, that you would bless us as we go into your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bless you. I see some more of the saints are are joining us, and I pray that more will come, but we're going to begin. Now, you know, uh, we're in the series. This is Women's History Month, and I promised you that I would use a woman in the Bible uh, to teach Bible lessons on this entire month. So each Wednesday, I'll be using a woman in the Bible, uh, and we'll be pulling out things where we can use for uh, everyday life. Bible lesson using women in the Bible. And last week we were in the home of Simon the leper. And uh, we talked about uh, that woman, some gospels she's called uh, Mary. Uh, some say it was the same uh, Mary that had was possessed with all these spirits, uh, but she broke an alabaster box. Uh, and the subject of our lesson last week was only the best for Jesus. Tonight, uh, we're going into the Old Testament, and uh, we're going to a place called Ma'on. In the Bible, in the Hebrew, it's pronounced Ma'on. Uh, and we're going to talk about a woman by the name of Abigail. Um, many of you might remember Abigail, a beautiful story there, but I'm going to extract a lesson from this story here in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 25. And the subject of the lesson tonight, uh, difficult conversations, difficult conversations. And we would say uh, the conversation is, is difficult not only when the person you have to have the conversation with is a difficult person, uh, but there are difficult situations uh, that make that conversation quite difficult. And we're going to talk about that um, on tonight. We're in the 25th chapter of 1 Samuel. Uh, and just to give you a little backdrop before we get, actually get into the story, um, chapter 25, 1 Samuel, I want to give you time to get there. Um, the Bible says, and it, it helps us set up 
uh, the foundation of the lesson. And I'll start reading from the first verse uh, through the third verse. It says, And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. There was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great. He had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. So here in the 25th chapter, we understand now that Samuel, the prophet Samuel, has passed away. He has been buried, um, and everyone is lamenting over him. Uh, of course, remember, Samuel is the one that anointed David to be king over Israel. Now David is not king yet. Saul is still sitting on the throne. Uh, and according to Scripture, the house of David was growing stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul was growing weaker and weaker. Uh, and there was a new song out. Uh, and, the and the words to that song that they were singing around town for a while now was, Saul has slain his thousand, but David has slain 10,000. Uh, now, uh, the man of God that had anointed David is dead. He has passed on, and they have uh, buried him, and David rises after hearing this, and he goes down uh, into Carmel. Uh, and in Carmel uh, are the livestock and those possessions of a man by the name of Nabal. Uh, he has a wife by the name of Abigail, as we read. Uh, and it says uh, that his wife uh, was a beautiful woman. She, she was full of wisdom, but he was churlish. Uh, he was high-minded. Um, he had a silliness about him. He was mean and grumpy. He was rude. There are a whole lot of other names that I can use. Uh, David, the Bible says, heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. Now, when you start shearing sheep, uh, several things, uh, understanding as, as a shepherd, you are uh, not only preparing the wool to sell, uh, but some of the sheep are being prepared for meat. Uh, and, and during sheep shearing time, shearing time, where the wool is cut, uh, normally there would be celebration and partying. Um, some of the fatted lambs would be slaughtered and they would have wine and and cakes, and they would have a festivity. It, it was a festive time uh, during shearing season. Uh, so it was known because it was a custom uh, during shearing time that uh, you would party, you would have festivities, uh, and you'll, you'll hear some more about this. Uh, but David now has accumulated with him 600 men. 600 men that are following him, and uh, these were warriors. They were warriors. They were 
trained in killing and fighting. Uh, David himself had developed into quite uh, a worshiper and a warrior. Could you imagine? Uh, he was proficient in warfare and in worship and in praise. What a combination. Uh, and he was a songwriter. So he's developing. He's being strengthened. He's on his way to the throne. Um, and the Bible here in this particular uh, scripture talks about the fact that David and his men uh, were in this area. And while they were down there, uh, in the midst of the shepherds that worked for Nabal, who we'll know is a rich man. He has a whole lot of, of possessions. He's very rich. But David's men, uh, while they were there, one portion of this chapter says they had become a wall for them, which means they protected uh, this man's possessions while they were there. They didn't mistreat the shepherds. Uh, they protected the sheep. Uh, they were cordial. They were very nice to them. Um, and so there was, there was safety because David's men were there. All these 600 men, uh, I would feel pretty safe also. Uh, but the Bible gets into this story, and um, we're in verse 3 now, uh, 1 Samuel 25 and 3, uh, and we're reintroducing the characters of our lesson tonight, Nabal. Uh, Nabal, the name of the man was Nabal, the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Now that's, that's the contrast there. He is a Calebite. Uh, and you remember Caleb, Bible says that he had another spirit. He wasn't a complainer, uh, but he was a man of faith. Uh, and everyone also knows that Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. Uh, but here is this man who should have had a reputation of faith in God, uh, should have had a reputation of worship and praise because he's from the tribe of Judah. Uh, and should have had a different spirit, a calmer spirit, uh, but a spirit of strength like his forefather Caleb. Yeah, he was a Calebite, uh, but his mannerisms, his mentality, his treatment of other people was totally opposite of what you would think he would represent. So let's get into Abigail and see how Abigail uh, work with the situation because the Bible says in this chapter um, that when David heard that it was the time of shearing, he automatically understood that there would be festivities. There would be a whole lot of food, a whole lot of lamb, right? I like lamb myself, a whole lot of wine, a whole lot of bread. Uh, he and his men would have been able to eat because it was also part of that custom. Uh, that those who are outside of your family uh, would be invited eat, and hospitality would be shown. It was their custom. Um, but when he sent his men to ask if they could be a part of the festivities, 
if they would be able to have some of the food, um, he shushed them away uh, and said, who is David? Who is this man? I don't know who David is. Um, he's not the king. He was very insulting. And when David heard what was going on and what was said back, uh, David got his sword, his men got their swords, got on their horses, and they were on their way to destroy everything that Nabal owned. Uh, we're going to get into this. And if it wasn't for Abigail, uh, he would have been wiped out. Let's get into it. I've, I've given you a background and laid uh, a soft foundation. Uh, Abigail is described as being intelligent, beautiful. Uh, the Talmud uh, amplifies this idea and says that uh, she's one of the four most beautiful women in, this, in the Bible. Uh, and she's put in the same category um, as Rahab and Sarah and Esther, who are also noted in the scriptures as being beautiful women. Uh, so she was she was a beautiful woman, but she wasn't she just wasn't she just wasn't I should say a pretty face. She was intelligent. She had wisdom, um, and according to other writings that talk about Abigail, she is also a woman of high socioeconomic status. Now that's a mouthful, isn't it? Uh, but it it means that she knew how to run business socioeconomic status. She had a reputation for being able to handle herself. Maybe perhaps she was, she was allowed to handle certain financial matters for uh, Nabal. Uh, we don't know uh, everything, but we do know certain things about her. Her name uh, comes from the Hebrew name Abigail, meaning my father's joy. All right, and Abigail, and we know, and I know I'm, I'm sort of skipping around before I get into it. We also know, if you remember from Sunday school lessons at time, that Abigail would eventually become the wife of uh, David. So she's intelligent, she's beautiful, she is loyal. And there's some things that we can learn from Abigail um, as we read her story as we understand uh, the gist or the foundation, I should say, of what's going on at this particular time. Um, and there are things we can certainly learn from Abigail's actions and how she treated this situation. Because often in life, um, it's not the easiest of times, but it's the hardest of times that can bring out either the best or the worst in people, you know. Um, tell tale of certain people's true personalities, let something happen, um, and you'll either get a bad reaction or a good reaction. So hard times, you take this pandemic, it has brought out the best in people, and it has also brought out the worst in people. Uh, and Abigail's life is a reflection of this truth. Uh, instead of wallowing in self-pity, uh, and defeat over her circumstance. Uh, and her circumstance was very drastic because now um, she's about to lose everything because of her husband's behavior. Uh, she acted, uh, and we'll see in the scriptures, she would act courageously. 
uh, and she would use wisdom uh, when being faced with a threatening situation. And so we can, we can learn from her life, from her response to what was going on. Um, she was what I would call a wise woman in a toxic relationship. Her relationship was had to be toxic because Nabal, uh, whose name means foolish, by the way, um, Nabal, the Bible says, was churlish. I'll read it again. Uh, it says he was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. So uh, he's churlish. He was short-tempered. He was nasty. The Bible says he was evil. So she's in a toxic relationship, hallelujah, at a time where Saul is king, Samuel has passed, uh, and 600 men of David now have traveled into the desert of Maon. And in the middle of this now, a conflict begins. Um, and this beautiful, intelligent woman is in the middle of a desert, right? She's in the desert. Um, she's married to a rich man, but he's a foolish man. And she's in a hard marriage. Had to be hard because the Bible says he's evil. He's churlish, right? He was the kind of man that would snap at you for no reason. He might have been even a little abusive, right? Uh, verbally abusive. Uh, he was just a, he was just mean and here, this intelligent woman, this beautiful woman, is in this toxic relationship. So, uh, and I have it in my notes to say that she was in a toxic situation or toxic relationship really uh, is an understatement. Uh, and despite Nabal's lack of judgment, Nabal's household seemed to do all uh, they could do to keep him in themselves out of the trouble that was initiated. Uh, and as we read, it's a lot to read, but as you read the chapter, you'll see uh, that his behavior, his words, created a very bad situation. Uh, and listen, when you're dealing with people uh, that can't see themselves, when you're dealing with people um, that are narcissistic, Everything is about them. They don't see their actions as being uh, wrong. Uh, they don't even see how brutal they can be. Uh, it's really difficult to be around those kinds of people. And when you read the entire text, you get the feeling that it's not her first rodeo. It's, it's not the first time that she's been in this kind of situation, perhaps though it, it was never this bad because now we're dealing with a man that has a 600 man army behind him. And my husband, instead of showing hospitality to David, uh, instead of showing love to these men, right? Um, now this beautiful, intelligent woman has been placed in the middle of a rising tension, a rising tension. Let's go to Matthew, I'm sorry, Samuel, First Samuel chapter 25, verses 10 and 
11. Right? Told you, David sends messengers down uh, asking for some food. Can we be a part of these festivities? Can you share uh, some of what you have with us? Listen, verses 10 and 11. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Listen, who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? Uh, so the men went back and told David what this man is. This man is nasty. He's not going to give us anything. As a matter of fact, he said, who is, who is David? Who is this man asking for this? I don't know who you are. And when David heard those words, uh, 1 Samuel 25, 13, David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men, 200 abode by the stuff. So um, Nabal's servants must have immediately feared for their lives. Listen, there's no way that he didn't know who David was. Everybody around town and around that part of the world knew about David. That song even made him famous. And it wasn't only what people sang about him, but it was the music that he was writing. People were already singing his songs that he wrote. God is my refuge. And my strength, the very present help in the time of trouble. Uh, he didn't know who David was. Sure, he did. He was being mean. He was being sarcastic. Uh, and Nabal's servants, uh, they must have immediately feared for their lives. And one of those servants knew exactly who to go to. She ran to Nabal's wife. She ran to Abigail. That servant ran right to Abigail and told Abigail, what was going on? Hmm. Told him, your husband is, is at it again. Uh, your husband has is, is created a problem for us. Um, and, and listen, um, we don't know too much about her history. We do know that she herself came from Carmel. Uh, but we... See quick reasoning and sound judgment in her character. Let me say it again. We don't know too much about her history, but we do see sound judgment and quick reasoning in her character because she knew exactly what to do. She was not afraid to act quickly. Getting ready to minister to someone. Um, listen, people don't always have to know your history or where you came from. The most important thing is your character. How do you act? How do you react? How do you conduct yourself in uh, troubled situations? How do you deal with life, right? Listen, um, 1 Samuel chapter 25, we're in the 25th verse. I'm going to read verses 14 through 17 now. Um, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them. And the men were very good to us. 
Remember how I laid the foundation. They were very good to us and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the field. So as long as we talked to them and were cordial to them, they were nice to us. They were good to us. He says, they were a wall unto us both by night and day. They protected us. These are warriors and they're protecting shepherds that belong, that work for another man. They were protecting. And it says, listen, um, both night and day, all while we were with them, keeping the sheep. So they helped them with the sheep. They didn't lose any sheep. They had protection. Now, therefore, now, no rather, and consider what thou wilt do for evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Listen, Nabal was such a difficult person that nobody could talk to him. Have you ever met people like that? No matter what you say or, or how nice you are, you just can't talk to them. They're set in their, their, they are set in their ego or they're set in their nastiness. I don't even know how to do it or say it, uh, but they are difficult people. Uh, but here she is, a woman of integrity in a toxic relationship, now caught in the middle of a rising tension between uh, her husband and David, who would soon be king. Uh, but he was very rude. Listen, he was so nasty that he broke protocol, social protocol, uh, because even in the word of God, uh, Old Testament, I say I should say rule and regulation. There were so many rules and regulations that they attached to the Ten Commandments, but one of those things uh, was teaching them how to treat outsiders, right? Uh, even strangers. If they wanted something to eat, they were told to feed them. David really was no stranger. Everybody knew about David, and he acted like he didn't know who David was. Who are you? I don't know you, right? Uh, he's, he's calling, basically, he's calling David a renegade, right? Because people knew uh, David, yes, he's a warrior, but he was always on the run, right? Now, uh, I, most of us who, who have read the life of David understand why he was on the run. Uh, there were several times that he could have taken Saul's life right? Uh, remember the cave of Adullam was, was one situation, and uh, there he actually is in the cave. David is actually in the cave. Saul is in the cave trying to kill David, and they are so close in the dark where David could have actually killed Saul, but he would not touch him. Why? Because Saul was God's anointed, and uh, he knew uh, because Saul belonged to God, if God doesn't move him, I'm not going to touch him. And there's a lesson right there. Uh, sometimes we put our hands on things that we have no business putting our hands on uh, because we're so anxious for God to move it. And perhaps it should be moved, but it's not for you to move it. You got to wait for God to move it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, perhaps you should change your prayer. I don't know who I'm talking to. Um, you know, you're always trying to put your hand on it, put your mouth on it, 
Um, maybe instead of praying, say, Lord, hurry up and do this. You need to pray, Lord, help me to hold my mouth, hold my peace. Help me not to touch what you have anointed. Uh, and even though Saul was, was on his way out, he was still God's man until God got ready to move him out of the way. Uh, so now we understand further. Uh, I haven't read the whole chapter. It's a lot of reading. Uh, but David is in town. Uh, Samuel has died. Uh, and it is shearing season, which means not only are they shearing the sheep for their wool, uh, but it is commonly known uh, that this is festive time. There's a whole lot of food to be had. The sharers would share the lamb and the wine. Uh, and those who were around uh, should have been invited or welcomed. Uh, and here is David, um, who is known, asking, sending his servants respectfully, who had already been there for a while, according to the testimony of the servant uh, they have protected us. They've been a wall around us, not just us, but the sheep. Uh, and your husband, Nabal, the foolish one, has ran his mouth and insulted, and now we're all in danger. So there's some things we can learn now from Abigail's wisdom and courage uh, in this situation. Five things, right? Uh, and here are some things we can apply uh, to our lives based on what Abigail has shown us in Scripture. Uh, the first thing we find in this story, chapter 25, 1 Samuel, uh, is, uh, and I'm learning, I've learned from it, from reading the story and meditating on it, don't let fear hold you back. Move forward in God's courage and wisdom. Uh, don't let fear hold you back. Hallelujah. Don't let fear hold you back. Move forward in God's courage and wisdom. For Samuel 25, 18, let's read that. Then Abigail made haste as soon as she heard. As soon as she heard what happened, she lost no time. She didn't waste time. She did not procrastinate. She did not sit around. She went into action. And here's a word for somebody. Uh, don't sit around any longer. Get into action. Move forward in God's courage and wisdom. I hear you talking back to me. Well, I just don't know what to do. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask for it. Ask God. Hallelujah. But don't hold back because you're in fear. No, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but that of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Verse 18, chapter 25, 1 Samuel, then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves, two bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed, five measures of parched corn, and a hundred clusters of raisins, my Lord, and 200 cakes of figs and lay them on asses. So immediately she goes into action. Get the feeling that, oh Lord, uh, my husband has done it again. Uh, and she moves quickly. She doesn't waste any time. She doesn't waste any time. Hallelujah. I hear it in my spirit. Don't waste any more time. Uh, and remember, listen, no matter how difficult or threatening a situation may be, God's power within us is greater than we can ever fully comprehend. 
Don't second guess yourself. Don't, don't walk around fearful. What God has put in you, yes, is more powerful or greater than anything you could even comprehend. Uh, he's able to use any of us. i say it again. He's able to use any of us, even those who may seem insignificant or powerless in the situation. He's able to use. You just got to get into action. So she shows wisdom even in acting quickly. Listen, these men were on their way. I don't know how she knew that. Um, but perhaps the servant heard David say, get on your horses, get your swords. We're going down there to take care of business. But she, she showed wisdom in acting quickly and swiftly. Um, and listen, uh, she, she didn't waste any time. She knew exactly how to put things together. She knew exactly what to ask for, how to set things up. Uh, and she sends the food and her servants ahead. Uh, and she chooses wisely. Listen, she chooses wisely to act on her own. She didn't get a crowd of people to go with her. She, she didn't get a girlfriend to go with her. She didn't get this one to go with her. She, she, she said, no, uh, some things you just have to do by yourself. You have to handle. Uh, and she knew also, unfortunately, that she couldn't take Nabal with her. Nabal, Nabal could not control his mouth. Uh, he, he sold, as they used to say, I'm getting ready to tell my age, he was the kind of fellow that would sell a whole lot of wolf tickets, had a whole lot of mouth. I had friends like that in school. They had a whole lot of mouth, right? They would tell you off railing insults and everything uh, until you shoved them back. Uh, Nabal was that kind of fella. He, he would start a war and then turn around and say, what happened? Uh, he was foolish. He was just as much of a fool as he was mean and cantankerous uh, and abusive. Uh, so she sends the food ahead, according to the scripture, uh, and she decides not to take Nabal with her. She doesn't even mention this. And she does it all. She's doing all of this without Nabal even knowing that she's putting all of this together. And she gets on a donkey. She gets on it and she rides towards David and his men. And she meets him with honor and respect. She meets him with honor, totally different from Nabal. She meets David. She meets the anger. She meets the opposing anger with honor and respect. And here's a lesson here, uh, because sometimes uh, there are difficult situations. There are um, trying situations. The, the tension is high. Uh, and instead of meeting it with respect and honor, uh, sometimes in our flesh, we meet it with further disrespect uh, and, and dishonor. And we meet, if you meet anger with anger, what do you think is going to happen, right? If I meet anger with anger, what is going to happen? My God, it gets, it, it gets quite explosive. Mm -hmm. Grievous words stirreth up anger. Soft answer turneth away wrath. That's Solomon's wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Uh, instead of hiding and cowering, she shows courage 
and she rides down to meet 600 men by herself. <laughs> she moves towards danger by herself. And I'm saying by herself, but you know the Lord was with her. Knowing that God was with her. Knowing uh, that God is with you. Don't wait on anybody. Get up and go in God's strength. I'm talking to somebody right now. Hallelujah. If I'm talking to you, put it in the comment section. Hashtag, I'm going in God's strength. Act quickly. Whatever you do, do it quickly. And do it with faith in your God. Because she was about to save her whole household. Your actions or your inaction, it really affects the people that are connected to you. She knew she was in danger, but she also had to know that God was with her uh, and she had to do something. I'm not going to let my family die. I'm not going to let my family be wiped out. Uh, so the first thing uh, we just discussed that we learned from her actions in this story is that um, I can't allow fear to hold me back. I've got to move forward in courage and in wisdom. Uh, and the second thing, uh, because she shows honor and respect, uh, be humble and kind. Seek peace with those around you. Seek peace with those around you. First Samuel chapter 25 is where we are. I'm going to go further down and read 23, verses 23 and 24. And when Abigail saw David, right? Remember, she now by herself. She's in front of 600 men. Lord, have mercy. She sees David and hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground, fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be, and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Wow. She quickly gets off the donkey and bows her head. She shows honor and respect, puts her face to the ground, fell at his feet, and says, Lord, it's, it, my Lord, it's my fault. <laughs> it's my fault. She takes the blame. She says, let the blame be on me alone. Let your servant speak to you. Please hear what I have to say. So, um, she had to shoulder and take the blame for something that she didn't even do. Uh, she begs for forgiveness on behalf of the entire household. Hallelujah. I hear it, Lord. The whole house. The whole house. She bows before David. She's pleading for the success, for the future, for the life of her whole household. Hallelujah. And listen, God stepped right into this moment. She showed, she didn't show fear. She went in courage. She went trusting God and she gets in the middle of this tension. And now she begins having this difficult conversation and the Lord was with her. And I believe the Lord stepped in that moment to teach David what he needed to learn in this situation. He's getting ready to be king. He had some issues too. The Lord was, was dealing with him. Uh, so 
uh, he takes this moment to show David how wrong it would be for him to take action of his own because the Bible also says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. David was going to take revenge. Mm -hmm. And he was going to kill the servants of Nabal, probably Nabal himself. David was angry. He was that angry. But here this wise, beautiful woman, hallelujah, comes with courage and the wisdom of God stands and kneels before David. And now, uh, I, I won't say it's showtime. I would say it's time for God to teach the lesson that needs to be taught. Hmm. It's a pivotal moment uh, for Abigail. Pivotal moment because uh, she had no idea how David was going to react. She had no idea. Listen, when you're put in a position where you're um, having a difficult conversation because it's a difficult situation, and of course you want peace. You want to accomplish peace. And when, when I say peace, I mean you want to establish a momentum uh of life that's moving in the right direction, a relationship that's moving in the right direction. And, and um, let me explain it this way. When you're put in a difficult situation and you have to have a difficult conversation uh, and you want reconciliation or, or a peaceful transition, uh, three things, uh, one of three things can happen. Uh, you'll either fake peace, fake the peace, uh, break the peace, or make peace, right? Um, and, and this is where she was. She's in a pivotal uh, place in her life where she could either uh, fake the peace, break the peace, or make the peace, right? Fake the peace. You know, we can, can we just get along and, you know, you, there's still tension, there's still animosity, there's still hatred. You know how church folk do too. Right. They they walk around and they're faking the peace, but they're really not speaking to each other. Right. Uh, they really I don't care if I ever speak to any to her anymore or they'll just break the peace. Right. Uh, and uh, listen, I rather I, I, I shouldn't even say this. It, it's probably better to fake it than to break it, because now that it's broken, uh, there's there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. Uh, there's strife. There's a whole lot of stuff that that's really ungodly. Uh, but as people of God, our goal should be to make peace. Uh, we got too many people faking and breaking. Uh, perhaps during these difficult times, we should ask God to show us how to make the peace. Uh, it's a pivotal moment in someone's life that's listening to me. And I wish I could express it the way that I feel it. Uh, but she has no idea how David is going to act. He could have took out his sword uh, and, and taken her life. He was just that angry, ready to take revenge. Uh, but she was not afraid. She looked beyond herself. And listen, if, if we're going to have peace among us as God's children, we have to look beyond ourselves. I'm going to say it again. If we're really going to have peace in the house of God, if we're going to have peace among the people of God, we have to look beyond 
ourselves. And she acted with humility. She looks beyond herself. She acts with humility and compassion. She seeks to make peace with the very one her own husband gets angry. And she asks for an opportunity to make the wrong right. Here's a lesson right here. Um, and thinking about today's life, um, you wonder if people really want peace, if they really want uh, reconciliation, not just with other people, but with God himself. Um, here, this woman is attempting to make peace with the very person her husband insulted, asking for an opportunity to speak and make it right. Let, let me make it right. Give me an opportunity to make it right. Uh, you find people in the church, you won't even give your brother or sister an opportunity to make it right. We just write people off. Hallelujah. Uh, but here she is standing right in the middle of the tension. Right in the middle of the tension. 1 Samuel 25, 28, 29. This is where we learn also that our words and our actions are powerful. And we have to learn how to look to the bigger picture. Uh, listen to what she says. Check this conversation out she's having uh, with an angry David. First Samuel 25, 28, and 29. Uh, First Samuel 25, 28, and 29. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. She takes, she's taking the blame. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. He says, this is not like you, David. So they knew about, he had a, he had a history of, of, of being a, a, a man of God, an anointed vessel. He knew how to fight, but his, his fighting was to protect the people of God and for the cause of God or for the will of God. But here, yet a man is risen to pursue thee and seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God and the souls of thine enemies. Them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. Hmm. She's, she's, she's talking to an angry man. It's a difficult conversation. Forgive your servant's offense. The Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master because he fights the Lord's battles. Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live. Don't do this. It's not like you, David. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies, he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. So he, she knew her words and actions were powerful and carefully thought out. She didn't just run her mouth, but she thought about it on the way to see David, what she was going to say. She understood the bigger picture. Not only is this going to destroy my household, but this is going to do damage to David. She was determined to bring peace. Difficult conversation. The task that she was hoping this conversation 
uh, would perform was, was difficult too. She had a crazy husband at home and an angry anointed king in front of her with 600 men. My Lord. She understood my words have, and my actions are powerful. No matter how difficult the situation, you have to understand your words and your actions are powerful. And you have to look at the bigger picture. Don't just look at what's happening. Look at the after effects. Think about the big picture. She reminded David of how important it was that God was building greatness in his life. Look at what God is doing in your life. I know you've been disrespected. I know you've been insulted. Uh, but remember who you are, David. You're God's anointed. And if you do this thing, it's going to damage you as well. God is using Abigail to talk some sense into David. Perhaps Nabal was lost. <laughs> she knew, I can't talk to my husband. Uh, but if I don't talk to David, my crazy husband and all that we have is going to be wiped out. So she, she makes it known to David, listen, God is building greatness in you. The Lord himself is with you. Hallelujah. That's why they're singing that song. Saul has slain a thousand. David has slain 10,000. That's why they're, they're singing your songs in church. Yes. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not warn. Yeah. She heard about David. She heard stories about him. Uh, she also gives reference to the fact that I heard Saul has pursued you at times. And she even makes mention of the sling. She knew. She knew what to say. She, she thought about what was going to come out of her mouth. Oh, if the saints would think before they let things come out of their mouth, there'd be more peace around us. She thought about it. She talked about the sling, making reference to the fact that I, I heard about the sling and how you slayed the giant. The Lord was with you. She spoke in such a way to bring him back to God's bigger picture. She spoke in such a way where he could see, yes, God, God is using me. God has plans for my life, and I have to be careful not to allow this situation to hinder the progress that God is building up in my life. Yes. So uh, we have to remember uh, in difficult situations, you have to have that difficult conversation, uh, hopefully, uh, so the big picture will be seen. Uh, God has plans for us. We got to do things right. Hallelujah. All through David's life, God fought for him. And she, let, she makes him known. She says it. God, is, God has fought your battles. He has helped you. God fought for you. His beloved and that very God was fighting for Abigail, too. She was letting them know God fought for you. She's one woman standing in front of 600 warriors saying, if God fought for you, he's going to have to fight for me. Yes, Lord. The fourth thing I'm learning from Abigail from reading this 25th chapter of 1 Samuel is that a true warrior is loyal and faithful thinking about others before themselves. You ain't a warrior if all you think about is you, 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 you. 
but a true warrior has the integrity of a warrior. It means that I'm doing this to help someone else, to save someone else. I'm thinking about others, right? First Samuel 25, verses 30 and 31. Let's go there and read. We're right in the middle of this story. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. So she's telling him, I know you're on your way to the throne. <laughs> you, have, you are the anointed one. God is, is blessing you and he has intention on bringing you into Israel to sit you on the throne. Verse 31, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offensive heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. She says, listen, the Lord is going to handle this. The Lord is going to take care of the insult, the hurt, the disrespect. Just don't do anything to do damage to what God is, is doing in your life. And when you get to where God is taking you, remember me. <laughs> when, you, when you get to that place God promised you, you would get to. When you sit in the chair, God promised you, you would sit in. When you have the authority that God said he was going to give you, don't forget about me. Remember me. Remember the handmaid. Help me. Hallelujah, because she understood a true warrior is loyal and faithful, and he thinks about others. Hallelujah. She, she, she's fighting to protect her household. Listen, she's letting him know, I'm here by myself, right? I'm trusting my God, and she's fighting for to protect her crazy husband and her house. She's here to protect her household. Doesn't mention any children, but she says, listen, uh, I'm here trusting God and I'm fighting for my household. Um, and, and don't do this thing, David, because I understand what God is doing in your life. And if you do this, it's outside of God's will. It's outside of God's character. Let God deal with this. Uh, and she wasn't thinking of her, herself only but of all those that she loved, including the servants that worked for her husband, right? What she's doing was not just for herself. I would say she was just as much of a warrior as David was. She didn't carry a sword. She wasn't riding a stallion, but she was courageous. This woman was courageous, standing here fighting for her livelihood. She was loyal and she honored God and her family in all that she did. And she chose to show great respect towards David, reminding him that God would bring to his life blessings and every good thing he had already promised. She said, listen, you're on your way to the fulfillment of what God said he was going to do for you. And when you get there, don't, don't forget about this handmaid. And with wisdom and discernment, She's asking David for only one thing at the end of her plea, that when God brought him success, <laughs> remember me. Abigail, she was incredibly faithful in her words, her actions, and in her demonstration of love for her servants. She knew that if she could win David's favor in this situation, 
her workers and family would be spared. So a whole lot was, and, and this intensifies now. I'm, I'm realizing even more how much more difficult this situation was and how difficult the conversation had to be. My life depends on this. Hallelujah. But she was faithful and she saw the big picture. The fifth thing I'm learning that I've learned from reading this story with Abigail, hallelujah, name means my father's joy. God will fight for you and that you're never by yourself. Hallelujah. God will fight for you and you're never by yourself. Come on, put it in the comment section. God will fight for me and I'm never alone. 1 Samuel 25 verses um, 32 and 33. David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me, my Lord, and blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hands. So he listened to her. He said, I want to thank you. God had to send you. God, this is a God thing. Praise be to the Lord, God of Israel, sent you to meet me and be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from killing these people. Hallelujah. For avenging myself with my own, I was going to put my hands, I was going to kill everybody. But God sent you here to have this difficult conversation with me. Thank you. Thank you. So God worked through Abigail and spared the lives of an entire household and even perhaps saved the posterity or the, or the, uh, the future of an anointed man that was about to sit on the throne. He would have messed up terribly. terribly. Uh, and yes, he had made other mistakes, but what he was getting ready to do... Um, I don't think David was really thinking clearly in this situation. And Abigail steps in uh, and the Lord works through her to spare the lives of her family, a household. Uh, listen, she eventually would tell Nabal, right, uh, what happened uh, because of his drunkenness that evening. Remember, they were partying and they wouldn't invite David and his men. You can't have none of this food. Who are you? Why would I share my food with you? Why would I give what I'm going to give to my servants with you, right? Now, he was rich. Nabal was very rich, very rich, and he could have, he could have easily shared with these men. Uh, so the Bible says his wife tells him all of the things that happened. Uh, about 10 days later, the Lord takes him, but she tells him eventually, Right, First Samuel, I'll read it to you. First Samuel 25, 37 and 38. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal. He's sober now. <laughs> and his wife tells him these things that his heart died within him and he became as stone. Came to pass about 10 days later after she told him, the Lord comes and takes Nabal. He dies. Yeah. Told him. The next day when he was sober, 10 days later, the Lord decided to take Nabal out. Uh, God, God took care of Abigail. 
And the story goes on to say, listen to my notes, that when David learned that Nabal had died, he sent word to her asking her to be his wife. So David uh, showed honor to Abigail by taking care of her and the Lord provided for her and all her household because of the courage and wisdom she portrayed. Through her good judgment and choosing to act humbly and bravely, God showed himself strong on her behalf, saving David from going to battle and rescuing Abigail and her servants from the evil of Nate, brought her out of that abusive relationship. He brought her out. Uh, while she was in it, she was respectful. She was loyal. She was faithful to her God, to her husband, right? Um, and because of her faithfulness and, and because she was respectful, um, the Lord delivered her. She had faith. She had courage. Um, let, let's dig a little further because we, we, we want to be able to live uh, the big picture. Um, that means being fearless in faith and grace. And a lot of times we are faced with battles and struggles in our personal lives. Uh, and we might feel like we've been left by ourselves, right? She was she was in the middle of something. She was about to lose everything, Abigail. Um, but we have to remember, just extracting from this chapter, that uh, God really is always with us, leading us with his spirit of wisdom, showing us the way. He, he will show you the way. He will show you the way. Remain faithful to him. He will give you the discernment that you need. Uh-huh. Uh, and he will pour out his strength and his grace in the midst of your tension, in the midst of your mess. Uh, and he has a way of reminding us that he is the greatest power. Glory to God. He is the greatest power and he will propel you forward. He'll give you strength to move forward. He will give you strength to have that difficult conversation. He will give you strength and um, He'll allow you to say the words that need to be said to turn the storm. So listen, um, we really never really have to be stuck in fear or feel that we're defeated, thinking, thinking that our situation will never change, right? And I'm, I'm probably ministering to someone right now. Uh, just be faithful to God's word and to his leadership. God can do in just a second of what you've been trying to do for years. God can just move it in a, in a second, a millisecond. And you've been trying to move it for years, and God can just, whoop, and it's gone. I, listen, um, I won't tell you the specifics of the situation, uh, but I will say uh, I've, had, I've had spiritual enemies in my life. Uh, and I believe that they were there really uh, when I was going through. I felt like they was there to kill me. And God had to teach me instead of, instead of fighting them because I wanted to give word for word. Um, and some days were, were nasty. I mean nasty. Um, and it took God to show me how to talk, when to talk, and when to shut my mouth. I think shutting my mouth was the hardest part. Um, but then I had, to, I had to step back 
and God moved those things. When I was trying to, to move myself, uh, I mean, in such a way where I'm turning around wondering, when did it happen? How, when did you do that? You know, so um, let God lead you. Let God show you. Hallelujah. Follow him. He works powerfully on behalf of those that choose to follow him. And I'm sure, you know, we all have stories and it may not be the same as Abigail's story, uh, but uh, perhaps, uh, and I know, and, and I shouldn't say perhaps, there are times when uh, you and I may feel like things in our future are challenged or threatened. Uh, it could be uh, loss of finance. It could be sickness. It could be a difficult relationship. Uh, it could be a toxic environment. Uh, but uh, understand that God knows your way. He knows where you are. He understands the burdens. We have a high priest that can feel. He can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He understands your burden. Hallelujah. Put that in the comment section. God understands my burden. He does. And he's fighting for you right now. Even when it's hard for you to see the big picture, God is fighting for you right now. So let's apply this. I've done a whole lot of talking, uh, but let's apply some of these things uh, and, and read, read the whole chapter. Read the chapter, 25th chapter of 1 Samuel and read it and see yourself how she handled it and how the Lord turned things around. But let's, let's apply some of the things we've talked about. Talk about it uh, first, understanding that conflicts are inevitable. Conflicts are inevitable, uh, but it can be an opportunity for us to honor God. Don't allow the conflict to bring you to a place of dishonor. All right, so it can be an opportunity to honor God. We know that the scriptures are full of conflicts when you read the word of God. Listen, when you read the Bible, uh, you'll understand you don't have to really watch TV or the other programs. My Lord, get into that Bible. There's some stuff in that Bible that will keep you tangled up and interested for a long time. It's full of conflicts, conflicts in families, conflicts in marriages, conflicts in government, uh, conflicts in the church, conflict in the synagogue. Uh, so knowing that we have conflicts, Jesus gave several instructions on how to resolve our conflicts. How do we have these difficult conversations in ways that will honor him in the process? <laughs> so let's look at let Abigail. Um, let's look at Abigail through a biblical lens uh, as it relates to peacemaking. And remember, we said uh, uh, our conversations can either bring us to a place where we're faking the peace, breaking the peace, or making the peace. Faking, breaking, or making. Which one are you going to be? Are you going to fake it? Are you going to break it? Are you going to make it? My Lord. So when we're facing conflicts, the first thing we have to do, our, our response in the conflict often would determine whether we're faking, breaking, or making the peace. 
right? The scripture is clear, though. The word of God is clear that we are called to try to make the peace. Follow peace with all men, holiness without. Follow peace with all men, holiness without. I'm going to do it again. Listen, follow peace with all men. So always remember uh, that as people of God, we are called to try to make the peace, not fake it or break it, to make the peace. Remember what Paul writes in Romans 12 and 18, if it's possible, he says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So let's look at, go back to Abigail. There's three things Abigail did. Uh, three things she did. Uh, and three words, go, prepare, speak. That's what she did. She decided to go, she prepared, and she spoke. <laughs> she didn't run away. Let's take go first. She did not run away. She did not deny the danger. Um, she didn't come up with some kind of plan to kill David or to poison the, his soldiers. You know, she could have said, okay, put poison in the food and let's kill him. Or she didn't try to hide. She was a rich woman. She didn't hire an assassin. Nope. Um, she decided to go straight to David. Straight. Instead, I'll go straight to David and try to make peace. So going for most of us uh, is the hardest step, right? When there's a conflict, uh, <laughs> when there's a conflict between brothers and sisters uh, in the church. Uh, now, be, now before social media, uh, we would just stop talking to each other. I'm not going to call you. Uh, don't call me. If I see you in church, I might speak to you. Uh, but that's not, that's not accomplishing anything. But now with social media, we've taken it up a notch. We might say praise the Lord in church, but I really don't want to deal with you. So uh, I'm going to block you on my cell phone. So, uh, or um, I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook. You know how the saints do. We all go to the same church. And, and but you're unfriending your brothers and sisters because you don't you don't want to go, you don't want to go, uh, and that's the hardest step in bringing peace. Um, going is the first step or the first barrier uh, that we need to overcome. Uh, wouldn't it be easier just to uh, listen to my notes? Wouldn't it be easier just to let it go? And isn't it better? Uh, to just overlook the offense might be some questions you might have. Just let it go. Just let it go. But remember uh, the three aspects. Are you going to fake it, break it, or make the peace? Now, if if you just let everything go or if you just ignore the offense, and, and a lot of times we're not really ignoring it. Uh, we're ignoring the person, but you're taking steps to further divide yourself. It's a misunderstanding. It's a conflict. Um, now, and, and my answer, yeah, it probably would be easier just to let it go or just overlook the offense. Uh, but what if you can't, everybody's not made up the same way. What if you can't, can't, David couldn't let it go. David was on his way with a, with swords and 600 men to wipe Nabal out. He was going to crash Nabal's party and kill everybody, Right. 
So some people, uh, you can't just ignore them. You can't just overlook it. They can't. You might be able to, but they can't. Uh, so how do you know? How do you know when it's time to go to that person? How do you you know when it's time to go to that person? Well, uh, the first indication that you need to go to that person, if you've offended them, if if you know you've offended them, Matthew 5 and 23 uh, says, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and, and you remember that your brother has an order against you, Leave your gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Hmm. So he says, go, first go. Before you come to the altar, all right, offering your gifts at the altar and you remember, you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Now, I've been in situations where where. I offended somebody and I picked up the phone to call them, called them several times. Right. Um, And I knew they I knew they knew I was calling them. You're sitting right there. Watch looking at my number and you won't answer the phone. But you still have to try. You still got to go. You still got to (laughs) go. I know you're sitting there looking at my number, but I'm going to call you. And if you won't answer my phone when I see you, I've got to come to you. Or if someone has offended you, someone has offended you and in your heart, you can't overlook it. Perhaps because it's happened before. I can't overlook it. Certainly, uh, Abigail was in a situation where I can't ignore this. I can't overlook it. I have to go because David has been offended. So that's an indication. The other indication is if someone has offended you. And you're in a position where you feel like I can't, I can't overlook it. Matthew 18 and 15. If your brother sins against you, go. Wow. So I got to go whether I offended him or whether he's offended me. So what should be happening is everybody's going, everybody's coming. Well, you get up to go to me, I'm getting up to go to you. Why isn't it happening? But this is what, if I've offended someone, the Bible says get up and go. Get up from the altar. Stop all that hikamasai and get up and go. If someone has offended me, instead of sitting there with animosity and, and uh, bawling them out under my breath, get up and go uh, and let's work it out. Go and show him his fault. Go and you've offended me. You've hurt my feelings. You've disappointed me. Ah, listen, but the Bible says just between the two of you. Doesn't say uh, get on the phone and say, you know what so-and-so did to me? I'm sick of them. I can't stand them. No, the Bible says if they've offended you, get up and go to them just between the two of you. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it because you don't believe me. I can tell. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Don't tell 50 people before you go to that person. (laughs) Now 50 people are in your business 
And you have, if you've ever played the game of telephone, right, by the time you get to the end of the line, the story is totally different and twisted. Go to that person. Go to him. Go to her alone. Abigail didn't take nobody with her. She didn't tell 100,000 people this is what's going on. She went to him alone. It was between her and David. Hallelujah. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. David heard her. He heard her heart. He understood the words that she was saying, and she chose them carefully. So the first step is go. And the indication, when do you go? You go if you've offended someone, and you go if someone has offended you. Gave you the scriptures, Matthew 5, 23, Matthew 18, 15. The second thing she did after going, she prepared. She prepared, right? What did she prepare? She prepared food, which is what, what the uh, conflict was about because they, they were hungry. It was time during festivity. They had the food. He was rich. He could have afforded it. And uh, so she goes. She prepares. She prepared food, gifts of food. She prepared a lot of food for them. She prepared food with the withholding of food. It was the very thing, as I said, that initiated the conflict. Abigail prepares to make this wrong right by loading donkeys full of food. My Lord, all of the cakes, all of the wine, two prepared calves of lamb, right? Um, she quickly assembles the provisions, right? She also prepares her words. What am I going to say when I get to David? That's the difficult conversation. What am I going to say? I don't want to speak out of anger and fear. I want what I say because my words have power. My words and my actions have power. The first action was preparing the food and sending it, the gifts, but but my words have power. If I say the wrong thing, I'll either, I can break the peace, right? Either faking it, making it, breaking it, or making it. So she prepares what she's going to say. Uh, as we prepare to go, right, and talk with someone, as we prepare to go, right, there's the conflict, Talk. I got to have that difficult conversation. Think about what you're going to say out of your mouth. Is it going to minister? Is it true? Right? But start with prayer and ask God to help you first see the conflict from the other person's viewpoint. Hallelujah. Try to see it from the other person's viewpoint. Lord, show me, show me. How do they, how are they feeling? What's going on with them that they feel some kind of way what that they what what's going on with them pray about it pray ask god to help me help me lord see from their point of view right and pray for honesty because i want to speak the truth i want i don't want lies to come out of my mouth i don't want to make any if if i don't know i just don't know uh so i'm praying for honesty i'm praying for wisdom and i'm praying for the courage courage. What do I need courage for? I need, I need courage for holding back my own anger. 
It takes courage for that. It's easy to let go of anger and blast off. Give me the courage to hold on. Give me the courage to keep myself. And what I can't hold, Lord, hold it for me because I don't want to... I don't want to mess this opportunity up. So she decided to go uh -huh, and confront the conflict. And she prepared, the second thing, gifts. And she prepared what she was going to say out of her mouth. So go, first step, prepare, the second step. And as we attach it to what Abigail did, she not only prepared the food, but she prepared what she was going to say. She was talked about David, right? She made reference to the sling, right? Which means I knew, I heard about you slaying the giant. You're a protector of Israel. God is with you. So don't do this thing because you're on your way to the throne. God has greater things for you. And when you get there, remember your handmaid. Hallelujah. So she goes, she prepares. The third thing, finally, she speaks. Go, prepare. And the third thing Abigail does is she speaks with humility, not only in her words, but her posture. Yes. So when we talk to one another in the midst of conflict or difficulties, it's not just what you say, but it's your body language. When you suck in your teeth and roll in your eyes and you're trying to apologize or whatever, that don't work. Uh, that don't work. You sucking your teeth and rolling your neck. Talk, well, I'm sorry. No, she didn't do that. <laughs> you know how the saints are. I want to make this right. I'm sick of this. That ain't it. She didn't do it like that. She said, who do you think you are? This is unfair. You got 600 men. You're bullying my husband. She didn't do none of that. She said, I'm going to go. I prepare. And I'm going to speak. She prayed about it. She had to pray about it. And when she speaks, she spoke with humility, not only in her words, but her posture, her body language. She lays herself before him. She's polite, far beyond what is required. She was polite. Yep. She addresses him with great respect as if he were the king already. Her husband was nasty. You ain't the king. Who are you? You ain't nothing but a servant, a runaway servant at that. He was running his mouth. But Abigail, when she spoke, it was with humility. Her posture was right. Her body language didn't say anything different from what was coming out of her mouth. And we got to be careful uh, as saints, right? Uh, you can't say I love you, but your body language says I can't stand you. <laughs> yeah. She addressed him with respect as if he were already the king, using words like my Lord, my master. She knew. Listen to my notes. She knew as we do too, that how you say something is just as important as what you say. Just as her words explained the situation and sought to resolve the conflict, we also need to have that goal in our difficult conversations. You should want to set the same goal. I want peace out of this. I want reconciliation out of this. No, it might not mean that we're buddy-buddy and hugging all the way down the street, but uh, I don't want what we have now. What we have now is toxic. And somebody's going to lose out. There are no winners in, in, in that. But if we can get it to right, everybody wins. 
right? So we need to have that same goal in these difficult conversations that we may have to have in difficult situations, right? And this is what we we want to accomplish. We want to accomplish understanding, explaining, understanding, affirming, right? I don't want to fake the peace. I don't want to break the peace. I want to make peace. As the Bible says, follow peace with all men. Holiness without, no man shall see the Lord. In that conversation, I want to establish an understanding, explaining, yes, understanding, affirming some things, right? And uh, I, there should be forgiveness in the talked about and achieved within this conversation. I don't just want to get together and talk and get it off my chest. You know how the saints are. I just want to get it off my chest. You don't want forgiveness. You don't want to forgive her. You don't want her to forgive you. You just want to get it off your chest. I just want to give her a piece of my mind. Some people even have the audacity to say, I'm going to lay my Holy Ghost down and tell her off. No. Nope. You got to handle those difficult situations and the outcome. What you really want to accomplish is peace. I want to make it in. Hallelujah. And, and even if there's difficulty between us, I still want you to have everything God said he wants to do in your life. And I don't want this conflict to hinder you from receiving what God has for your life. And I don't want anything to hinder what, what I'm supposed to have. Abigail thought about the big picture. Let David know you're on your way to the throne. You can't, you can't do this kind of thing. No. So there should be forgiveness. There should be an offering of solutions. What are we going to do? How are we going to? Seeking to restore relationships. Making peace. So what's the lesson that we learn? What are we learning from this? Practical. A needed lesson. When it's necessary, we need to be willing to, to confront these difficult conversations in order to seek peace. Seek it with discernment and grace. Discernment is needed because I need to understand perhaps there's something going on that has nothing to do with me. But because she's still my sister or he's still my brother, I, I want to bring peace. I don't, I don't want this between us uh, because we, we're both trying to uh, accomplish what God has in our lives to accomplish. So here it is, applying it. Uh, we got to be willing to, to confront these difficult conversations, seeking peace and with discernment and grace. So I'm going to close with this. I, I've held you long enough. I'm going to close with this and, and these final words, perhaps something for you to think about. Um, and, and maybe we don't think about it and we should think about it more often. We, we, we just push conflicts away. Uh, we just shove them under the rug. And a lot of times we act like it never happened uh, and we never talk about it or deal with it. Uh, have you ever, have you been thinking? Have you ever been, have you been thinking or ever thought uh, of a conflict in your life um, where perhaps you could have handled it differently? I know I do, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Perhaps I should have thought about what I said. So perhaps I should have prayed before I, I talked. 
perhaps I should have showed some empathy, tried to understand what was going on. It, it you know, it's a learning experience. But but Abigail, she didn't have she she didn't have time to mess up. And I like I said before, I get the feeling that she had been there before. It was not her first rodeo. She said, here we go. This man has created a problem. Uh, but she showed courage, faith. Um, difficult conversation, perhaps, is coming up soon in your life. Handle it with care. Handle it with the love of God. Handle it with the wisdom of God. Seek peace, not destruction, not revenge. Seek peace. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? A Abigail saved her household. She did two things. She not only saved her household, but she saved the reputation of a future king. Think about it. By being willing to confront a difficult conversation. She was, she became, unknowingly, she became the peacemaker for Israel. <laughs> because he was getting ready to sit on the throne. So she saves the reputation of a future king while saving her household. So from Abigail, I'm, I'm learning that I can be also uh, an individual of influence for good. Question is, are you willing? Are you willing? Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, here, a very thought-provoking lesson, something really to stir up our minds. Glory, stir up our pure minds. God, perhaps we've dealt with difficult conversations wrong and we've learned from this. Go, prepare, and speak. You've learned from this that when we do speak, it should be with humility and respect and care. Looking at the big picture, understanding, developing an understanding or asking you for the wisdom to, to speak the right words, do the right thing. Not only what we say, but how we say it. Help us, Lord. Hallelujah. Because there's so much work to do. So many things for each and every one of us to do. Help us, oh God, to do and to be. Do the things that you would have us to do and be what you would have us to be and perform the way you would have us to perform. Help us, Lord. We need your help. I thank you for this word. I thank you for this word. I thank you for this word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to let you go. But if you have a prayer request, send it to me, please. Admin at grtdc.org. Yes, you want to be baptized? Let me know. We'll make arrangements for you to be baptized in Jesus' name. Send it to me. Admin at grtdc.org. The Lord bless you. If you want to plant a seed in this ministry, want to pay your tithes or give an offering, our technician will put that on the screen. And I want to take this time to thank the media team. You all have been a tremendous blessing to GRTDC and RTA in helping us continue this ministry uh, Wednesdays and Sundays. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank 
the administrative team here uh, at GRTDC uh, for helping us get the information out that needs to be brought out during the week and so forth, and also the admin at RTA. We love you. Appreciate you. Um, plant that seed, won't you? And those of you at RTA, you may use Givelify. The Lord bless you. I've held you long enough. And I'm already thinking about what I'm going to talk about next week. I'm excited about God's word. This is Woman's History Month, and we'll be using a woman uh, to extrapolate a lesson each week in this month. Be blessed now. Looking forward to seeing you next week. But until then, three things I want you to do. Be careful. Be prayerful. Be holy. Shalom, shalom. Greetings. Greater Refuge Temple of Washington, D.C. is hosting a birthday celebration parade for our beloved senior pastor, Bishop W. Michael Fields. Come join us on Saturday, March 13th from 1 to 1.30 p.m. in the GRTDC parking lot with your cards, gifts, and love tokens. It will be an afternoon filled with friendly smiles and warm virtual hugs. This event will recognize Bishop Fields' ongoing commitment and labor of love to our ministry. This is your time to show your love and appreciation. The first 100 people will receive a special birthday treat. We look forward to seeing you there.